Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Animals to the Max. I am Corbin Maxey. I am your host. And ladies and gentlemen, we are officially on season two of the show. Woo! And we made it. I'm so happy we made it to season two. I, uh, my goodness, can't even believe how fast time is just flying by. And we're almost, let's take a look. Yep, we are almost a week away from Christmas. Oh my goodness, that's just insane. But I am so excited to start season two out because I'll tell you what, we have a phenomenal guest, okay? We have the real-life Dr. Doolittle on the show. Yep, I'm being serious. We have the real-life Dr. Doolittle, Val Hart. She is an animal communicator. And I had, I, I you know, a really interesting conversation with her. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I was a little skeptical at first. I'm not going to lie. I am a scientist. I, you know, am a scientist at heart. But, you know, I opened my mind to talking with her. And I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. And I encourage all of you out there, because I know a lot of scientists listen to this, a lot of people, that will definitely be skeptical. But just open your mind and just enjoy the conversation. That's what I did. And, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I think this is a really interesting interview. Before we get on to uh, Dr. Doolittle's interview, please make sure to uh, subscribe to the channel. I think like 79% of you are subscribed. So please, everyone, uh, please subscribe to the show if you have not already. And also leave us a review. And the best way to get in contact with me or to kind of keep up on what is going on with my crazy life working with animals is to follow us on our social channels. So make sure to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And here we go, guys. Here we go. The first episode of season two. I am so excited. I had such a good time talking to Val Hart, the real life Dr. Doolittle. How are you doing? Good. It is, it is so nice to meet you. It's wonderful to meet you, too. I want to thank you. I think I've seen you. I think I saw you on Leno. Um, and really excited. I'm so proud of you for everything you're doing with the animals to, you know, to improve the awakening of animal consciousness on the planet. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for what you do. I'm so happy that your publicist reached out because she said we have the real Dr. Doolittle. I'm like, whoa, wait. <laughs> I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what I thought. And I was like, okay, we have to get her on the podcast. So welcome, of course, Val Hart. Once again, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. So where do we begin? The real life Dr. Doolittle, which, by the way, is trademarked, which is a very smart idea. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had a coach tell me that ages ago. And, yeah, I'll tell you more of the story later. But the media gave me that moniker, you know, when they started hearing about my exploits. So it's like, okay, well, that's what I'm known by. I guess that's what I'll go with. I like so, it. Yeah, fun, fun. I like it a lot. So how do you become the real-life Dr. Doolittle? Like, take me back. I just want to know, like, because a lot of people, you know, they grow up and they want to be maybe a veterinarian or a doctor or a teacher. I mean, did you always want to work with animals and communicate with them? Yeah, well, here's here's my story. So I was a lonely, only child growing up outside Austin, Texas, overlooking Lake Travis. There weren't any other children my age anywhere. And I was... I was lonely, um, and but but I was also highly sensitive and empathic, which meant that the animals that in that were around me, I 
had a communion with. You know, I understood them. We understood each other. I was known for being able to connect with the wild animals. You know, the the feral cats, you know, often my parents would find me curled up taking a nap with the feral cats, you know, or, you know, or something. We had horses, we had goats, we had chickens, pigs, uh, dogs of all kinds, birds, you name it. We had, I had white mice, I had guinea pigs. I was kind of the doolittle, right? Um, so, but that's how I grew up, you know, and I, I always knew that I could communicate with them. Um, when I entered into my teenage, very difficult teenage years, I became manically depressed, suicidal, oh. uh, and I had a horse at the time. Her mare, her name was Maisie, a mare, Welsh pony, and um, I would sneak out of the house after my parents went to bed, and I'd go across the street to the stable, um, and I would throw my arms around her neck and cry into her big black mane and look in those liquid brown eyes and pour, just pour my heart out, you know? Um, and she would, I would hear her voice. It was so sweet, Corbin. She would just say, child, what's bothering you? You know, what's, what's wrong? And, and I would just tell her and she would come back with, with the most amazing advice and counsel. You know, sometimes she would make me laugh. Here I am crying, ah, you know, and, and she'd tell me something. And I'd be going like, <laughs> that's hysterical, you know, but she would get me through another day and she would give me more, you know, a guidance than I had from anywhere, really. Now, I, so, have, I have to ask you a question, though, because I, of course, have, you know, I, if I was with a horse or something for my first time and all of a sudden I heard, Corbin, it's okay, don't worry, I would freak out. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I would be like, wait a second, like, do I need to, <laughs> I'd be like. Say what? Who yeah, said that? Yeah. Exactly. I think a lot of people would feel that way. So do you mean you, you just felt it or did you actually hear this? Did you actually hear this voice coming from your horse? Really? Yes, I heard it. Uh, just like I hear you. Wow. Just like I hear you. Now, just a real quick little teaching tip. We we all have different gifts. We're all intuitive. We're born able to send information energetically. That's how we're born. Um, as humans, we tend to forget, and society doesn't exactly encourage us, you know, to to be telepathic. Um, but that it's a it's an inborn innate gift. So, and now I forgot what I was telling you. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, so we're either clairvoyant, which means we can see things in our mental monitor, right? We have a vision. We're visionaries, um, or we're clairaudient, which means we can hear. We we hear things. We um, just like a voice in your head. You know, just like putting a microphone in your animal's head, and you can hear their thoughts. Um, where there's also clairsentience and claircognizance, which means that we have a, a visceral knowing. It's like our body knows. It bypasses our conscious mind almost completely, but we just resonate with the truth of it. We, we receive it that way. So you have to know what your intuitive gift is. Um, and for some people, they want to hear it, but they're more clairvoyant, so they see it, you know? So uh, don't don't mistake how it comes to you. Our our job is to figure out the best way it comes to us and develop that. How does, does that make sense? I kind of <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm just and I'm sure some of the listeners are like wait a second. Okay, I do. I'm just like so. Was that the first experience talking to an animal or 
as a kid, do you, do you remember, because you were an only child, you said you were lonely, do you, do you remember right. always talking to animals and you didn't realize that was an unusual gift or... You're, you're right on it. That's exactly how it was for me. I was highly sensitive and an empath, you know. So I always knew what the animals were thinking and feeling. I just knew. It, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that that wasn't normal, <laughs> that other people didn't know. They didn't hear it. They didn't get it, which was just like, what? How can you not get that? Um, but they didn't. They weren't open or they hadn't developed it or something. Um, so yeah, so there you go. It's, uh, it works for all of us. We just have to pay a little attention to it. Um, and I'll bet you that in the animals you've been with, and there's been so many, right. That there were times and you tell, I love how you're shaking your head. Um, <laughs> well, <there> are, <laughs> the listeners can't see, but I have this giant, I, I have this giant <laughs> smile. Like <laughs> there's been a, there's been a few, uh, but it's, it's like you, um, you, you know things about them. You know, if you're working with them, it's like you'll know if they're sad or depressed or withdrawn or, or you know, um, something's wrong. You, you know if they're angry, right? You know, uh, just if you can look at someone across a crowded room or across the street and immediately know that that person is not okay. <laughs> um, and we all do this, right? It's the same, same mechanism, same thing. Yeah, and I bet a lot of people, because I could look into my dog's eyes, you know, uh, her name's Zoe, and I'm sure listeners could understand they, you feel like they're talking to you. I mean, you know what, you know what's going on. So I could, I could definitely understand what you're talking about. You're just being yeah. more in tune with that. Is that what you're... Yes. I'm more in tune. Uh, so my job is to teach you and your audience to be a bit more in tune. Yeah? Okay, so yes, yeah, but Val, we need to. We need to. I need to put a whole disclaimer here because I feel like you're great with you know huge companion animals, but I have like two alligators, <laughs> giant pythons. We need to figure this out. <laughs> I'm yeah, ready for I love it. it. I love it. Well, you know, it's it's so fabulous because they're all sentient. They're all intelligent. They are all feeling. They know things you don't know. You know, trees, I mean, I don't want to blow everybody's mind. Trees have a voice. Trees are sentient. Uh, science is just now figuring out how to measure it. They're going, oh, my God, look at this. You know, yeah, they well, do. And I know and during college, one of the most fascinating facts was learning like trees talk to each other. They do. And I was like, what? But in Africa, they'll talk to each other and they'll let them know, hey, listen, hey, Bernard, there's a giraffe coming. Make sure you put some more tannin in those leaves. <laughs> Not that a draft's name is Bernard, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I love it. That's oh, so great. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's true. It's totally true. They'll tell each other when an invader is coming. And so all the rest of the crop or the field, you know, will trigger up, you know, the anti-critter pest thing, you know, in their, in their plant leaves and whatever. Yeah, the, the tannin um, or the tannin or something that's coming back to me. Something like that, the chemicals, yeah. Yeah, lectins, the tannin is great, yeah. But it's there's there's an incredible world that we live in that if we don't open to this, then we're missing so much. You know, we're, we're missing it. So there's a whole fabulous world. I'll tell you the first time I heard um, uh, a horse. You want to tell more, more of my backstory? Heck yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for okay. it. We have no so, time restraints. <laughs> So, 
so here I am. I've I've managed to survive teenagehood, right? I, I thank God. Thank for my horses. Thank you for the animals. Um, and I left home. I got a job. I worked in corporate America. I worked for IBM. I worked for the Texas Employment Commission. Um, went to college. I started my own market research corporation uh, with two of my professors that I worked with at the at UTSA, University of Texas at San Antonio. Um, and I did that for about four years, and then and I was really pretty miserable. <laughs> I wasn't very happy. Um, I was not floating my boat, not making my heart sing. You know, it was just corporate world. Eh, me. Um, so I, I started doing some uh, introspection, some career reevaluation. I'm thinking, what could I do that would be fun for me, that would be a blast to get me out of bed in the morning, that I know I'm making a difference in the world. Right? What what would that be? What have I always found joy and you know and love and pleasure in? The only thing, one thing in my whole life was animals. It's the only thing I could find that would consistently brought me joy, love, and happiness. You know, and I know you you're shaking your head. You get it, right? Absolutely. And I'm just yeah. and I I think this could apply for anyone with who I mean everyone has some sort of passion or hobby. Think of how much happier the world would be if we just all loved what we did for a living. And you know, oh my God, yeah, what a concept, right? So, so I'm, so I'm thinking about, it and I'm thinking, okay, animals, I've got to do something with animals. And at the time I was married, I was married to a professional opera singer, a tenor. Um, he did opera and concerts and whatnot. And he had very expensive um, music sound system, as you might imagine, with these enormous Bose speakers. The bad news was we had two cats, um, Peach, our tuxedo kitty, and Tuffy Tiger, our Maine Coon tabby, and they were using the speakers as scratching posts. Me, <laughs> 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 not good. Yeah. <laughs> really, not good. No, uh, they were gonna, they were gonna die. You know, I mean, I mean, seriously, they were in danger of their life, or at least to lose their home. And so I'm, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to solve this? I don't know what to do, you know? So I'm getting up that morning, and I start to do my meditation, and I intuitively downloaded the idea to do this style of meditation I had been playing with, but to focus it toward the cats. And so I went inward, you know, breathed, centered, and then my focus is toward the cats. And I saw things. I heard voices that were not mine. I'm, I don't know where they came from. Well, I do. But, I mean, it was like, what? Um, I, I heard, you know, these thoughts, these emotions, these concepts. I just, it was like, just amazing. It was just a flood of information. And I finished the process, finished the meditation. I, my eyes had been closed. And when I opened my eyes, the cats were staring at me, like beaming their little brain rays right into my head. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And we all took a big breath. And that was the last time they used the, the speakers as scratching posts. That was, huh. that was, it was done. They got it. So I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. So I went on and I worked with them some more. We got some more amazing results. Um, and then a couple of months later, I'm with a friend of mine. She does neuromuscular body work for people and animals and specialized at the time in horses. So she worked with a lot of performance horses, Grand Prix dressage horses, hunter jumpers, 
um, Olympic level horses, you name it, uh, cutting horses, reining horses, um, marathon, you know, the list goes on, racehorses. Um, and, uh, and I was with her and she had a, this fabulous black beauty Percheron mare. I mean, if you can imagine, remember Black Beauty? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, so I'm hanging out with her, and, and, and the horse, Valkyrie is her name, and Charlene is working on this huge knot the size of my fist in the mare's hip. And it's like this this big knot, you know? Mm-hmm. And nothing she's doing is making it budge. It's not changing. It's not shifting. It's not melting. Nothing. And, and Charlene's really good at her work, so... Um, so I'm just standing there trying to help, you know, being whatever, holding the horse and, you know, enjoying the day. And all of a sudden I heard the horse say something, like you said a minute ago. It's like I heard a voice in my head as clear as a bell. And Valkyrie made a comment about something that we were chatting about. It was, you know, a whole new little concept idea about, you know, oh, I don't think that's right. I think you're missing the point about whatever. <laughs> so it's like, what? And so I said, wow, Charlene, I think Valkyrie just told me something. You may think I'm crazy, but this is what I heard. And I told her what Valkyrie said, and she thought for a second. She said, well, that makes perfect sense to me. I would understand why she would say that. And so she asked me more questions, and we wound up in this you know, three-way conversation. And at one point, Charlene said, ask her what is going on with this knot in her hip. So I said, Valkyrie, tell me the story. What's what's with the knot? You know, what happened to now, you? Wait, wait. Now, are you saying this inside your head or out loud? In my head. In your head. So you were just like focusing in tune. Okay. Okay. Focusing and in tune. Yes. Okay. Um, so so I said, Valkyrie, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Valkyrie, tell, tell me what happened. She sucked me into her memories. It was like I was beamed into her brain, into her body. It's like one of the techniques I teach is to become one with an animal. It's the fastest, most direct method of communicating with an animal. So if you imagine you're them, how would life be different, right? It's a whole cool, cool, fascinating concept. Um, But anyway, so she took me into her memories Uh and took me back in time. And I could smell the caliche dirt. I could feel the heat of the day. I knew where she was. Um, I saw the pen she was in. I saw the trailer that she was, that three Hispanic men were trying to load her into. I felt her anger because she didn't want to be loaded. She didn't want to go. She didn't like them. And in the the melee, she wound up banging her butt into this gray metal gate. And uh, and it's just like pouring through me, like drinking from a fire hose. The story is just very intense, and I and I'm I'm translating it as quickly as I can so Charlene can understand. I mean, when she finished the story, Valerie took a big breath, you know, and and let her head down, and she relaxed, and that knot in her hip, Corbin, it literally melted right before our eyes. Really. Yes. Huh. It was gone. She needed a chance to tell someone and be heard. And all of that angst and injury and the trauma drama and all the things that had happened to her were held in her hip, were held in that knot. 
And when she finally was heard and respected, she could be, you know, she could get it off her chest, basically. She could let it go. Or and off, she her, off her hip. <laughs> off her, the pain in her butt, right? It's yeah. Like, uh, had to let it go. Yeah. But that's how it works. Now, I, so, just, I have to say, though, because this is an animal podcast, you've had a lot of scientists who, and I'm a scientist myself, biologist, who, you know, we obviously, as scientists, look at the facts. I mean, what do you say to skeptics? Because I'm sure you've had them throughout your years of being the real Dr. Doolittle. I'm sure there's some listeners being like, what in the world? And, you know, which I'm sure you've gotten before. So what what do you say to skeptics? I love skeptics. <laughs> Surprise you? Um, yeah, because I'm afraid you're going to get mad because it wasn't on this questionnaire your publicist oh. sent me. <laughs> thought you would be tricky today. Um, no, it's like skeptics, as long as you're open, you know, I teach my students, don't be so open that your brains fall out. You know, come to things with honesty. Look for the truth. Look, look to see, is the, are the answers you're getting, do they make sense? Can you verify them? You know, can anyone else, in fact, one of the things in the Animal Talk Coaching Club and, and my students in the heart school is, you know, we, we practice with each other's animals and they communicate, they tune in, they communicate, give them the steps I teach them, and then they share what they get. And then the animal's owner or their person comes back and says, well, you're accurate on this piece, you're accurate there, that you're exactly right about this, and you miss that piece. That, or at least that piece, it doesn't make sense to me yet. I don't quite follow what that is. So, you know, for skeptics, that what I don't like is someone who comes with an agenda to try to prove it wrong, that it doesn't exist. They're so hardcore on their own beliefs um, that they're so closed-minded that nothing new can get in. Mm -hmm. So I don't ask you not to be skeptical. I think you should be. Um what I do ask you to do is come at it with an open mind and an open heart, but don't see, be so open you'll just swallow anything. You know, um, look to see if there's some proof in the pudding. Look to see if there's a difference. Look to see if there's a change, right? Um, verify what you got. Oh, this is a fun story. You want to get one fun story? Oh, yeah. Hit me. Okay. Hit ya. Ha. So one of my uh, friends, my dear friends, um, is a world-renowned historian and a professor. You know, talk about research. His whole life has been about research. He specializes in Russian history. Um, I mean, he's multi-published multi books. Um, he's well-renowned. Well -renowned. Um, and so I met this horse, and I wound up leasing this fabulous horse. It's a Russian-Arabian fabulous horse named Taylor. And, um, and and for some reason, I don't know what happened, but um, my uh, my friend Brian, the professor, comes out to meet the horse. Not sure why. He is not an athlete <laughs> by any mean shape or form, right? Uh, but he comes to meet the horse, and the instant he met Taylor, he fell in love with him. And he had a past-life memory of being with this horse. And when I talked to Taylor, Taylor told us about the lifetime that he and Brian had lived together. They were in Russia. He pinpointed the area. Taylor, the horse, mm -hmm. told me where they lived, what the name of the family was, what they did, what was going on in that time. Um, 
And Brian was fascinated and, of course, being skeptical, he went and did his research. Well, guess what? He nailed it. He found every little bit of it. He Everything that the horse told us was right on point on um, the the time period, the family, the family name, um, what was happening, um, all, all of it, the, the whole thing. It just blew him away. Wow. And it was very cool. Wow. So you, never, you never know what they know that we don't know. And was that, was, was that like a victory lap for you? Like, see, I told you. <laughs> I told you. Okay, I'm going to hit you with a lightning round of questions. Are you ready? Okay. Actually, I, I just have one, and this is, and this is, I just, I don't know if this is a funny question or not. But have you ever met an animal that did not like you? That was like, I don't want to talk. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it happens all the time. Um, in fact, it's funny. Uh, uh, one of this one of the things I coach my students on. It's also one of the things that I hear from people who have hired other professional communicators, and they were disappointed with their session, their reading, because the communicator said that the animal wouldn't talk to them. It happens. <laughs> However, there is a way to get around that. I haven't, uh, even, even if that's how it starts, mm -hmm. I know how to tweak the conversation and guide it so that they open up and they share their heart and mind. And after that, we're best friends, you know? Okay. So, yes, I, absolutely. I feel Just like... like I feel like I'd have to reason with them. Listen here, Fluffy. I don't want to be here either, but I'll give you a treat after this. <laughs> like just. <laughs> yeah. I understand how you feel. Oh yes. my gosh. That is just incredible. Uh, that yeah. is just, uh, just an amazing career. So you decided to do this full time and. I did. Yeah. And how, I mean, that must've been a big, a huge leap going from the corporate world, a secure job to just, you know, being the real life yeah. Dr. Doolittle, what was that like? Uh, it was amazing. I, was, I felt so excited and so um, scared. <laughs> you know, I mean, really leaping out off of the corporate, you know, ladder. Um, and just to be the voice for animals, you know, and knowing that there are people out here that were going to be skeptical, like you said, and not even skeptical, but the throw tomatoes at the performer kind of skeptic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I have feel a bigger calling. My mission, my vision is a world where everyone understands how to communicate with animals, where everyone knows that they're intelligent, sentient, feeling creatures, just like we are, that have rights, you know, that that feel pain um, and they and they have voices. And I think that when we learn, when we evolve enough to awaken to this consciousness of, of who animals really are, that they're going to make us better people. In fact, that's what I see all the time. It's like when we recognize, respect, and revere animals for who they truly are, they make us better people. And God knows we need to be the best version of ourselves for the, for the planet in our, in our lives today, you know? Mm -hmm. There's so much chaos and stress and craziness in unsettled times and, you know, crises and catastrophes and things. And it's the animals that will save us, I believe. So, and this might be a personal question, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. <laughs> are, you, are you, like, nervous? You're like, what in the world? <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Are you a vegetarian, or how does that work? That's a great question. I am not. Really? I'm not a no, um, 
animals understand that the plants, the whole circle of life is predicated that we live in our body, we give it up at some point, and it goes to feed other creatures, including the earth or the trees, right? Um, You know, animals understand about eating other animals. Uh, They're the predator-prey dance, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, what what hurts my heart, Corbin, is the lack of respect that our um, farmers have, that our ranchers have. The way that animals are treated, um, I think, is one of the most horrible abuses, you know, on the planet. So, you know, I, I try to be very, very conscious and aware of who I support, you know, and, and the humane treatment and the understanding and the respect that the creatures are due. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to me, that's incredibly important. Um, you know, I, and I, I don't eat a lot of meat. And when I do, I am so grateful for it. I offer that appreciation, you know, and gratitude and respect. You know, so and the other thing I think people need to know is that animals, they understand that death and birth and life is a big circle. You know, when it's time for them to leave their body, they bounce out. Their spirit continues. We can continue to communicate with them. They can continue to teach us. Um, At some point, they may choose another body, another body type. Um, But it's a much bigger game um, than most humans are aware. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And do you feel a different connection? And, I, and I'm not being like funny at all, or but like between, let's say, a cow that's going to be butchered, or let's say a lobster in like a tank at a restaurant. Or do you feel like you know what I mean? I mean, is there? Do you feel a difference between the different animals? Because a cow, of course, we could relate to more, and then a lobster, we're looking at a crustacean that obviously doesn't really express they're emotions. Yeah, they're intelligent too. Yeah, um, you know, I it. All animals are a little different in how you connect with them, you know, and who they are. Just like we humans, all of us are a bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, different personalities, different energies, different purposes, different, you know, things that we're here to do and different ways we relate and, and all that and communicate. Um, so I've had amazing conversations with lobsters in the tank. Really? Um, I've, I, you know, I adore cows. I think they're the most wonderful creatures. Um, and every one of them is different. Oh my God. I, I'm sorry. Just to interrupt. I just feel so awful for those lobsters in the tank. I can't even I, look at them in the store or the rest. I mean, anyway, and then I eat meat too. So I, I don't eat lobster by any means, but it's just, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's just cause it's visual and it's there and it's like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I'll tell you what you can do that would be of service. That's what I do. When I see them, I often will stop, um, and I'll connect with them, and I'll thank them. You know, I'll offer my sympathy, my compassion. You know, sometimes they'll tell me stories about being in the sea and what, how they were caught. Mm. You know, for them to know that someone cares, hmm. that they can be heard, that their stories are important, that their lives are important, right? Mm-hmm. That's the gift that you can give. It's the gift that all of my students give. You know, whether they're at a shelter working with rescued animals, you know, if, if an animal is being of service and they deserve 
our respect, our gratitude, you know, our appreciation. And if we can communicate with them, then we could answer their questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we could um, find out what they know that we don't know. Um, we could, you know, we can help each other. You know, it's not not so much about breaking the lobsters out of the pen and, you know, running off with them. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be good. <laughs> the great lobster heist, right? Right. Well, restaurant. Um, but, you know, it, you can still be of service. Um, so, yeah, I um, all on that line, I've got another fun story for you. I think you'll really love about elephants. Okay. You want one? Oh, uh, of yeah. course. A number of years ago. Um, uh, my neighbor um, is, was a docent for the zoo, and she had a special fondness for the elephants. And she contacted me and it, and about a story that it just broke. And it was about the, the, an elephant in the San Antonio Zoo who had killed uh, the head um, wrangler or the, the head elephant guy. I forgot what they called him. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, he, she killed him. And they didn't know why. They didn't know what had provoked her. They didn't know what happened because nobody was around when it happened. Um, and they had put her in chains and put her in a cage. And they were trying to decide whether to kill her or not, whether she would be safe, you know, if, if anyone else could handle her or had she just gone rogue you know, um, so it was a really, really serious thing. So my neighbor, who knew what I did, because I had helped her with her dog, um, she asked me if it would be okay if I came down to try to help them. And and she talked to the elephant people there, and they were absolutely, you know, bring her on. We'll try anything. We, we don't know what to do. And so I went down, and I didn't know any more of the story than that. Right. That, that was all I knew. So I went down. I met everybody. I, we sat down in this big circle, you know, chairs. But there were quite a few handlers there, probably at least 10 people, maybe more. Um, and they wanted me to tune into the elephant. Her name was Jenny um, and get Jenny's story, find out what had happened. Um, and so I did. Jenny told me that. It was late one night, and that this guy, uh, who was fairly new uh, to to the group, had, had not been there but maybe a month or so, I think. Um, anyway, he was often drunk. Um, he was abusive to her and her. She, she, by the way, was the matriarch of her herd. Um, and she said that he would come in and abuse the elephants, you know, her her and her, you know, her herd. Um, and she said he came in one night, especially off his rocker, and she looked at him and she said, I can't let this continue. I have to take action. And so she reached out with her trunk. She picked him up. She turned him over. She popped his head down on the concrete and busted it open like a watermelon. And then she dropped him and she said, problem solved. He won't hurt me or any of mine again. Oh, and so I'm like, whoo, right? Um, and so, I, I mean, that's what the elephant told me. And so I'm relaying what I'm hearing to the handlers. Um, and they're listening and they're looking at each other like, oh, my God. And then the the head one of them, like the spokes, the spokes handler, I suppose, um, she said, you're absolutely right. That is what happened. That's how we found him, right? 
Oh, so, so you so you didn't even realize what you didn't you didn't actually know the the gruesome details of the of of the scene. Nothing. All I knew is that someone had died, and they didn't know whether the elephant was rogue and needed to be put down, or if she was she going to do that to anyone else. That kind of thing. They didn't know what to do. That's all. I, that's all I knew. So so Corbin, I go in and I share this story, which is heart wrenching. You know. Um, and they're looking at each other like, oh, my God, that's what happened. And then they're going, well, we knew he was a loose cannon. And, he, yeah, he did drink. He was drunk a lot. Um, we understand. So they're like, oh, we understand. And they say, okay, so will she hurt any of us? Right? The next question, will she hurt us? And I asked Jenny, and I said, well, what do you feel about these people? And she said, oh, those are wonderful people. They're good people. They have good hearts. They do their best. I have no intention of hurting them. It was my job as matriarch to protect my herd. Huh. And so I took action. And, and she said, you know, whatever they want to do with me, you know, uh, my story's been heard. Um, I don't know what else to say. And so we asked her, you know, you give us your promise. She said, absolutely. I give you my promise. And so they unbuckled the chains from around her legs. They opened the cage and they let her out. And no other incidents, nothing. She was just as sweet and loving and kind as always. So, so, so there's that story, right? So the next month, I took my students there. We all went to the zoo with the instruction to talk to the animals, you know, get their stories, you know, give them a voice, let them be heard, help them find comfort and know that humans care. There are humans who can hear them be their voice, right? So we, we all wound, we did our thing, and then we all wound up back at the elephant enclosure. And at the end of this big enclosure is this bench in the shade. It was hot in Texas. So we all managed to gather back up, you know, after a while there at the thing. And we're sitting there talking about our adventures and what we've learned and what happened. And, and Jenny was way at the far, far end of the enclosure with some hay. And she looked over at us, flapped her ears, picked up a huge trunk full of hay, and slowly and methodically made her way all the way across the enclosure and stopped right in front of us, just like you and I are looking at each other, right, put the hay down, and is looking at us, eating her hay, ready to communicate with us. Hmm. And greeting us, you know, because she recognized me. She knew me, right? And so we're like, wow, what an honor. You know, thank you, Jenny. And we're communicating. And all of a sudden, the elephant handlers noticed what was going on. And they came running over there going, what are you doing to our elephant? They said, Jenny never pays any attention to the tourists and the visitors. What are you doing? You must be doing something. You know, how did you get her to even pay you any attention? What's going on? Um, and I told, I introduced myself and said, you know, I'm the one that helped with whatever. And she, we're communicating with her, and they were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, thank you so much. You saved her life. Now we understand. Yeah, elephants yeah. just fascinate me, and we're still learning stuff. I mean, we just recently as humans learned they can communicate in lower frequencies. You know, they can, you know, yeah. miles that we can't even, you know, it's not even audible to us. And then, you know, you hear stories of, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but I had actually a famous, one of the most famous elephant researchers in the world on, Dr. Cynthia Moss, and she's like... Wow. 
she's like the queen of, of, of elephants. She's been working with them for over 30 some years. And uh, yeah, there's accounts of elephants whose who family members have been maybe killed by poachers or this or that. They have, you know, either buried the bones. She's has seen numerous times um, elephants covering their loved ones, uh, the remains with sticks, with dirt. There's been instances where elephants have, because uh, sometimes the poachers will kill an elephant with a poisoned arrow. The elephant goes off and gets lost, and the, maybe the poacher won't find the elephant, but the family members will, and they'll actually take the tusks and shatter the tusks against rocks. Like, I mean, it's really, it just, elephants really, really fascinate me, and there's so much we have to learn. They're so amazing, yeah. Animals are intelligent, they're sentient, they're wise, they do have voices, they do have language, right? Yeah. It's we humans that need to learn how to speak their language. Yeah. And we can do that. Yeah. We can talk. That is so interesting. Do you have any advice, any last-minute advice for any of our listeners? Oh, last-minute advice. Other than you can do this, too. <laughs> Um, you know, if you feel it, if you love animals, you care about animals, you know, you really owe it to yourself and them to learn how to speak their language, to open that channel. You can do it. All you have to do is tune in. Um, I've got a wonderful book. It's called Hidden Secrets to Communicating with Pets, and it teaches you the three fundamental principles that everyone can do um, that to help you make a quick connection, to help you tune in, and then it teaches you how to send a message to an animal anywhere anytime and it, may i tell you how to do it so of you're course. cool okay so animals see what's in your mind's eye and your mental monitor right so if you can image something in your head they can see it if they're paying attention all they have to do is look in your head and they know what you're thinking about cool right yeah yeah, That's yeah, first. yeah. okay yeah, yeah. Okay, they also notice what you're feeling. So your emotions, your energy, your uh, whatever's going on with you with your feelings, they pick that up really fast. And if you think about it, it makes sense because when they're looking at another creature, they need to know really quickly what the creature's intention is. So what are they focusing on? And how do they feel about it? Is their energy revving up and they're focusing single focus on their prey and they're fixing to launch an attack and go hunting? Um, or are they completely satiated and they're not hungry and they're in a loving, open, happy place and we can go play with them and be safe, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a survival thing. So see it in your mind, feel it, right? What are you feeling? And speak the story. So... Be in alignment with the message you want to tell them. See it like you're watching a video, right? Watch it happen. See it okay. happen. Feel what you would feel if it was really happening right now. Mm -hmm. And tell them. Speak it. So see it. Feel it. Say it. Yeah? I feel like I need to go grab my dog. <laughs> She's sleeping now. I doubt she'd get off the couch. I would look Come at her on, and say, Zoe, Zoe yeah. get off the couch. <laughs> she'd look at me and say, yeah. Get alive. Yeah. This is my couch. See, I, I just know. communicated with her across the room. <laughs> you did. You can do it totally that way. Um, but see, here's the thing, and you just made a classic mistake, and all students, all beginning students make it. You're focusing on the couch, right? And you're feeling, what are you feeling? You're like, you're laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing because she's on the couch, and I know she won't get up <laughs> off the couch. <laughs> And so the message you're giving her is you're on the couch and it makes me laugh and I know you're not going to get up. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. That's the message you just gave her. And so she's like, yeah, you're right. Thanks, Corbin. <laughs> so if you wanted her to get off the couch, okay. what you want to do is give her the positive, which is imaging her get off the couch, feel how fabulous it would feel if she did that, how much you loved her, right? Mm -hmm. And then what are we going to do next? So focus on the positive of what you want. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So you, you can focus. On, yeah, the book is fabulous. Uh, find it at learnhowtotalktoanimals.com. Okay. It's free. It's complimentary. So go to learnhowtotalktoanimals.com, get the book, and it'll teach you um, how to do this. Um, there's a couple ways to play with it. You can do worst case scenario, which is you're, you're on the couch. I hate that you're on the couch. It's making me really angry that you're on the couch. That's not okay. You know, and what's going to, what's the consequence of her staying on the couch and ignoring you? Well, I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a problem, right? There's no consequence. Oh, it's actually her couch. My wife and I don't care. I actually, yeah, I actually want to bring her in here. I just want to see. Let's just try something, can we? Okay. Let's have some fun. Okay, give me one second. Okay, go. So Corbin has gone off to find Zoe. <laughs> oh, goodness. This is fun. And as he's doing that, my dog, Border Collie, Timmy Tim, is at my door. We'd like to come in, too. Come on in. Hi, sweetheart. All right. Are you there? I am. You want to meet Zoe? You want to meet Zoe? Oh, there oh, she God. is. Hi, oh, my goodness. So she did not want to get off the couch. Uh. <laughs> so I had to grab something. I had to grab a T-R-E-A-T. Uh, I understand. She's licking her lips, saying thank you very much. Okay. So. Uh, so, so what you did is you made it important to her, which is one of the gifts of uh, communicating in the right way to get the right result. So it needs to be important to her, right? What's in it for me? Okay. So okay. what are we going to, is there anything that we could do now with her? Or do you think it's just completely food motivated? Hi, honey. It's okay. She says, I love you, Corbin. And sometimes the best way to communicate is through food. <laughs> uh <laughs> She's just like me. Should I give her a little piece? Here you go, sweetheart. You're so sweet. There you go. Good girl. She says humans are so easy. <laughs> girl. I have to tell you, a lot of animals tell me how dense humans are, and they worry about us. They think that we are somehow not very intelligent because we are so closed off, and we can't communicate with them very well, and they worry about that. So, so what would you like to ask her, Corbin? I would like to ask her, because she does not get along with female dogs, she used to, but she had an incident. She's telling me she doesn't trust them. I'm also picking up a feeling of uh, almost like hoarding, but she wants to protect what's hers. She says, I'm my daddy's favorite girl. <laughs> um, do you have a specific question? Who, me? I'm sorry, are you talking to Zoe or me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Corbin, do you have a question for Zoe? I just, I, I want to ask her, will she ever get along with other female dogs? But I know that's not true. Female pit bulls are just known to not really 
get along with other female pit bulls, and a lot of them don't get along with other dogs. Hmm. Let me see. Hang on. She said it would depend on the dog. She said they would need to know that they are under me, that I'm the alpha girl here. She said the real problem is that other pits are kind of hard-headed. Um, I worry about our resources. Okay. Hmm. Hold on. Yeah, She okay. She's telling me that um, if it's coming up on close to her time to go, um, that she would consider getting another female dog with the understanding that she would be teaching it to take over and to caretake you after she's gone. She said, right now, we don't need another dog. No, she does not. Wow. Can does I, that make sense? Of course. Val, can I give her the rest of her T-R-E-A-T? <laughs> Are you asking me? <laughs> Hi, sweetheart. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Now, where can people find you? Do you have? I'm sure you have a, a Facebook, which I just liked your Facebook page. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, uh, face heart, Facebook is valheart.animaltalk. Valheart.animaltalk. Um, if you want to learn how to communicate yourself, then I totally want you to go to the Heart School of Animal Communication. That website is learnhowtotalktoanimals.com. And that's where you're going to find the Hidden Secrets to Communicating with the Pets ebook. And you got to get the ebook because it's fabulous. You will love it. So great stories, wonderful tips, easy to understand. Seriously, Corbin, anybody that loves animals can learn how to communicate with them. You just need some guidance because you've not really thought about it before. Right? You don't yeah. quite know how it works yet. Um, but it does work. You just learn it, just like anything else. Um, if you're having a problem with your pet, you know, one of the things I'm famous for, specializing in, is solving problems with pet with the five-step heart system. So there are five steps to the heart system that solve problems of all kinds, behavior, training, performance, and even health, uh, health problems. So that's that's one of my specialties and that's at valheart.com awesome thank you so much i had such a fun time talking to you and thank you for what you do to animals and you have this great glow about you and i loved you know i love talking with you and i love you know immediately when i saw one of your ted talks i just you know thought i was like oh this is this is great so thank you for what you do and being compassionate for animals uh, thank you for loving animals and caring about them and for listening to them and paying attention to them and making them important. So from my heart to yours and to all your audience, thank you so much for loving animals. Thank you. We're helping make the world a better place, you know? Yes, we need it. <laughs> right, we need it every bit we can get. All right, thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxi.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.